Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next UFC fight night, Saturday from the Apex in Vegas. Heavyweight main event, Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak. The prelims start at 1 Eastern, main card 4 Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. To get that, go to ESPNplus.com or download the ESPN app. And before we begin a new hour, Meanwhile on Planet Earth is brought to you by 365 by Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dominique Foxworth. How about Taylor Heineke doing the Kirk Cousins celebration on the flight home after the win? What do you think? I mean, this is a, a, a washed celebration. I've had enough of it. Let's, if you want to do it on your plane, fine. Don't post this. It's boring. Wah, wah, wah. I'm sorry. Am I raining on the parade? Did you think this was cool? No, I don't know. I mean, I didn't think it was cool. Chris Canty, once Shefty has done it, I think there were very few hard, fast rules in life. But one of them is that once Adam Schefter has done your celebration, it's pretty much time to retire. Right? Yeah, I mean, let this go, Taylor. Heineke, that's, that's more of the Minnesota Vikings thing with Kirk Cousins and Patrick Peterson. I thought Taylor Heineke was the guy that always got a pair of new Jays. So, if anything, he'd be showing off the Jays on the flight home. Well, speaking of Jays, as we welcome you back here, we're at the Seaport brought to you by Grey Goose. But the one with the Jays is in Cleveland. If you're wondering, where's Kimberly Martin? She's with us on this Wednesday morning. Kmart is freezing in Cleveland this morning. We'll explain why she's there, and she will dive in on all our topics as we get up with you with this that starts right now with the star of the stars. Jerry has Dax back, but did he lack the smack when he whacked back on the flack? We will discuss. Then, the pack, have they found the formula, and is it stunningly less Aaron, We've got the answers. They play tomorrow. We'll talk about that in a minute. Plus, why, Eagles, why did Monday expose Philly's fatal flaw? Are they really still the team to beat in the NFC? Kmart's got the answer to all those questions as we roll into our two beginning in Dallas. The Cowboys are 6-3, and three, but the quarterback, Dak Prescott, did not play well, uh, not well enough, particularly Sunday in an overtime loss in Green Bay. Our Stephen A. Smith was critical of Dak on first take earlier in the week. Jerry Jones was asked about that yesterday. Yesterday, he said Jerry Jones has not gotten his money's worth out of Dak Prescott. He could be this team's weak link. I can say that's not correct. The strength that I look at of our chance to win a championship is Dak and his leadership at that position. Does that mean that Dak's going to win every game or make every comeback or every key situation? Uh, You can answer that one. Of course not. But by the same token, if you were constructing the possibility of competing for uh, a Super Bowl, I would start right there with Dak. All right, by the way, I'm seeing reports that this was the most watched game of the NFL season. No surprise, Mm Cowboys-Packers, great drama, overtime, everything else. Kmart, we have not heard from you. How much of the blame for what was a very disappointing and potentially damaging Cowboys loss on Sunday do you lay at the feet of the quarterback? Um, You got to lay some of it, right, Greeny? I mean, you throw interceptions like that. That's the thing. Um, But... I got to be honest, I was a little disappointed by Jerry's defensive deck. I really was. Um, Because his first comment was, you know, his leadership. That, you know, when I think of of Dak, it's the leadership. And I just, that's like one of those, 
you know, if like you've got a friend, right? And they say, oh, I know somebody who you might be interested. Okay, tell me about them. Well, they're really nice. It's like, oh, pause. All right, I've heard enough. I don't want to hear any more. You already know. Move on. And I feel like that when you when you ask coaches and GMs and owners about their quarterbacks, the Mahomes, the Josh Allens, the Burrows, the Herberts, they're like, my guy is a baller. He's a winner. I know. Like that's sort of the 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 defense that you get with those guys. And with Jerry, it's like you know, Dak, he's good. And it just it it worries me because. I feel like once Stephen A comes at your guy, like that's an forget Stephen A for a second. I feel like that was an opportunity for Jerry to sort of lay it on the line and say, like, no, we know that Dak, be, you've seen him make plays. He is that guy. We believe in him. I mean, Josh Allen, I covered Josh Allen throwing interceptions against the Vikings, and they were adamant after the game. Josh Allen is a winner. We love him. I would like to see some of that from the Cowboys. So that's what I meant, Dominique, when I said, did Jerry lack the smack when he whacked back on the flack? I and mean, th- that is the question there. Was that enough <laughs> of a defense from Jerry Jones? I mean, I think it's fair to be critical of Jerry Jones' defense, but who cares? Dak is good. He's going to be fine. He's going to prevail. The arguments against Dak, yes, he wasn't perfect in this game, but their offense has been better, more efficient, score more points now that Dak is back. The idea that Dak is the problem, and again, uh, Stephen A never actually said it. Stephen A went with the lot of people saying that that you could criticize one one could be critical of Dak Prescott in this situation so they'll be fine the big issue in that Sunday night game was that their defense couldn't stop the run their defense wasn't as great as they have been for much of this season so stopping the run was a problem it was that night it was that night back to a pressure point Let, let, let me ask you the question a different way because you can win a Super Bowl without a great quarterback, like yep. a, a top-level quarterback, but it's hard yeah. to do. It's hard enough that we can pick out like every example of it happening recently. Is Dak that guy? Is he good enough to be the reason they win? Not to win with, but the reason the Cowboys win a championship. Yeah, he can be the reason that they win a championship, but I think the defense in the run game is what gives your quarterback a little margin for error and, for that matter, gives you more paths to victory. Right now, the Dallas Cowboys have to play a very specific style in order to win. They've got to utilize the run game. They've got to be more run-oriented on the offensive side of the ball, and they've got to dictate the terms of the game by scoring points early and force teams to be one-dimensional because if you get a game like you saw on Sunday night where Green Bay can stay with the running game even into the fourth quarter, you see that that Cowboys defense is susceptible to that, and that creates opportunities downfield, one-on-one coverage with play-action shots, and that's why Christian Watson was able to have the day he was. But I think another big issue and why we're not seeing the best version of Dak Prescott is because he ain't got nobody else to throw the ball to other than number 88. The two interceptions that he threw in that game, they were in number 88's direction. They got to find somebody else that can beat tight man coverage because they don't have that dude right now. Cowboys receivers other than C.D. Lamb on the season, only two receiving touchdowns. Even freezing cold a thousand miles away, I can see the skepticism on Kimberly Martin's face. Go ahead, Kmart, final word. No, no, no. I I agree with with, with – Chris is saying, as always. Um, but here's the thing. The reality with Dak is this. Until he wins a Super Bowl, you're go- people are going to criticize him. I mentioned the Mahomes, the Josh Allens, like Tom Brady's, Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterbacks in the league. He's 1-9 against them. Like, that. that's the kind of stuff that people will point to. So I think Dak can obviously win you a Super Bowl. But until we see it, he's going to be open to criticism. 
All right, so let's move forward here from that to the game uh, that comes up tomorrow night because it's the Packers who they just played on Sunday. But no time to celebrate, no rest for the weary because the Packers play the Titans tomorrow night. This, of course, just four days after Rodgers and company keep their season alive with a comeback win over Dallas. Rodgers hitting Christian Watson for three touchdowns. The running game came to life. It all looked good. Now, yesterday, Aaron Rodgers was asked if this is sustainable as a formula. He had a very confusing response. Sustainable Come of those words that gets said a little bit too much, I think, this year. So I'm going to stay away from the sustainable. I think it's all week to week. It really is. You try and find your identity throughout the season. In fact, the most important identity is competitive greatness and going out there and playing your best when your best is needed. We hadn't played a four-quarter game uh, all season. I felt like that was really close uh, Sunday. Hmm. I, 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 sustainable? <laughs> is that a word that we're... That sounded... We're talking about a tepid response from Jerry. That sounded like a very lukewarm response from Aaron Rodgers. What do you think? What will make Aaron Rodgers happy? I just don't know at this point. I just don't know. Um, like, sustainable... I just... This isn't this what we wanted to see the Packers be more balanced. The Packers, you know, Aaron, he was rock bottomish, you know, a week and a half ago. Now they come out, he throws the ball well. Aaron Jones is running the ball well, scoring touchdown, scoring a touchdown. Christian Watkins, a guy that everybody was getting on. Oh, is he a bust? Well, that kid came out and caught some touchdowns. That should be the formula. Lean on what what works. The run game. This is what we wanted to see. That's the strength. And as these young kids develop, stay healthy and get on the field and make plays. That and special teams, like winning it in overtime. Like I, that seems like a good formula. The whole I don't know. It's week to week. Everything is week to week. Yeah. You have your game plans dictated by your opponent. But every team, every excuse me, every good team has an identity. It's week 11, and and he's still saying, you know, as the season goes on, well, the season's almost over, Aaron. Mm. Like, you guys, like, this should be the formula. Just stick with this. So, so I will ask the question that he seemed hesitant to answer, Canty. Is that formula sustainable for the Packers to put together a good final six weeks here and make something happen? Whether or not it's sustainable, it still should be the formula that they roll with. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had his highest QBR in any game this season. Oh, by the way, he also had the most air yards per completion of any game this season. So running the ball 40 times to set up opportunities for explosives down the field is right. the way that they absolutely should go. And oh, by the way, when you use that formula, you keep the weakness of this team off the field, which is your defense. So it seems like it makes a whole lot of sense. Now, the only problem with the game that they got coming up tomorrow night is that the Tennessee Titans can run the football and the Tennessee Titans can stop the run. And oh, by the way, that front, 10 sacks in the last two games. So good luck, 12, in terms of being able to use that same formula against the Cowboys, against Mike Vrabel and the Titans. I found myself defending Aaron Rodgers a lot more this year, and I think I'm going to do it again. He <laughs> answered that question in the way that he felt was the best way. Like, I feel like he's also learning more about his leadership strategy and style and the things that he says this year. We've seen him try a bunch of different like ways to motivate people through the media. And I, I think that what he recognizes in these young guys is right now is not a time for the pat on the back. They all are seeing this comment of him saying, well, sustainable, I don't know. It's a word we say too much. So whatever relaxation that might have set in for their first big win of the year, Aaron Rodgers is essentially gently saying, nah, we got more work to do. And I think that's all right. He doesn't have confidence in them. Who does? No one should have confidence in the Packers right now. And right now they need to focus on figuring out a way to get a win on a short week against a really, really well coached. Do you, Kmart, you have confidence in him? 
You know, I, I'm. You know what? I would say I will say yes because somebody has to. Yes, I have confidence in Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. How about that? Um, no, I think what was promising was that they came back from 14 points down. Um, I, I think that is, that's what you want to see. I think it might be a little too late with the Packers, but uh, but while everybody was saying like the season is a wash, like the season's over, I think what we saw on Sunday was at least a blueprint for how they can win games. Like Christian Watkins, I think that was a huge game for him. Watson, I think that's a huge game for him. Um, and I think for their momentum, you saw Christian talking after the game, like if we just have confidence, this is who we can be. Like we've been saying it. So I think I, I'm basically going with optimism. I really got nothing else because they haven't shown me a lot, but I, it's Aaron Rodgers' team. Like I just don't, I, it's hard for me to say they can't win another game. They can't come out and beat the Titans. And I think that's fair. And, and just to sort of finish it up, as Jeremy Fowler pointed out earlier, the, the conference works in their favor. They don't have to become great. They just have to get back to average. If they can find right. a way, and it's not easy, the path to, to nine and eight is not an easy path. But if they can find a way to nine and eight, they might be able to sneak in. There's hope and there's a slim chance, but there's hope. But the only reason why I have any hope is because they were down 14 headed into the fourth quarter and right. they had whatever gumption, fortitude, I don't moxie. <laughs> whatever weird words you want to use like that's hard for a team that's coming off several tough losses it's hard for them to look across the field at a team that's better than them trailing by 14 and find it in themselves to come back and win all right so we're gonna the reason that Kmart you all noticed that she is standing and she's in Cleveland in front of the facility uh, and she's very cold uh, you have been covering uh, the Deshaun Watson arrival to Cleveland for quite some time today is a significant day in that tell everybody why you were there and what we are expecting today yeah, Greeny, this day is important because it's the first day that Deshaun Watson can officially practice since he was ruled out with the suspension, since he was suspended 11 games. Now, he won't be able to play until week 13, that Houston game, um, but this is the first time we're going to see him on the practice field. And think about it, this whole offseason, this is why they brought him here, to be the QB, to be the savior of this franchise. Well, he hasn't, all he's done is meetings. He hasn't been, he's been in the building, but he hasn't been able to work with teammates on the field, be with coaches. So this is a good step. These players, they, they like him. They think he's a good leader, but this is the first time that they'll able to be able to be around them. And I think with Kevin Stefanski, it's difficult. He's trying to get Jacoby Brissett, the backup, prepared for this Buffalo game, which I will be covering, while also getting Deshaun some necessary first-team reps. It won't be a lot. Deshaun's reps won't take away from Jacoby, but that's sort of that's what this whole season has been like for the Browns, trying to get Deshaun some early work, and then he sits, and then get Jacoby ready. So until we see him actually in a game on December 4th. All right, we will see what happens there again. Kmart will have that game for us this weekend. Right now, she's going to stay with us as we continue the football conversation here on Get Up. As we go, Josh Allen's kryptonite. Why is he struggling so much in the red zone? Does he need to change the way he plays to finally make that Super Bowl run? Plus, a critical injury that could change everything for Jalen and the Eagles. Did Washington expose Philly's fatal flaw? That's next. It's Get Up on ESPN. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. We are back on Get Up, and there's been a lot of talk about this guy over the last few days. Josh Allen, brilliant, yes, but he has struggled in his last three games, throwing six interceptions with crucial ones inside or near the red zone. And the Bills have fallen to third place in their division. Allen himself knows he can be better while not hurting his team. It comes down to decision-making. It comes down to a whole different variety of things. But we can be better at them. It's not like we're a bad team. You know, we've been hurting ourselves a lot. Okay, and I mean, the we in all of that is really uh, he, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's Josh Allen who is, he is the whole offense. He gets all the credit when they succeed, and he deserves it. But these are really more Allen problems thus far than they've been Bill's problems. Kmart, we've had a, a couple of great days of debate on this here. How would you, dis- and you're going to cover the game this Sunday, so I'm sure you're already talking to, you know, the coaches there and all the rest of that. How are they reacting to what is now becoming something of an alarming trend with Josh Allen? Would they like Josh Allen to protect the ball better? Yes. But at the same time, the guy had thrown 62 red zone touchdowns before he started throwing these interceptions. So, like, it hasn't been a problem throughout his career. This is a very small window, right? I think, obviously, when it comes to Josh Allen being the bulk of their offense, this is what happens. Like, he wants – he will fight for every yard. Greeny, you know, you think he gets hit way too much. He will fight for every yard. He will do everything he can to win. Yes, the decision-making has to be better. But, I mean, you can't really curtail. Josh Allen. What makes Josh Allen Josh Allen is 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 all of it. It is the it's the moxie. It's the I will run you over. It's the we will go and down the field and we will score. Like he's a wild. He's a roller coaster because you don't know what he's gonna do. That 62 yard touchdown bomb. Is he gonna run it for 44 yards? Is he gonna just hurdle a defender? Like that all makes him special. That's like you know what that's like. That's like if I just one day said you know what. I'm going to stop making all these facial expressions. I'm just going to get Botox and just shut my face down. Maybe Dominique would love that, but, I, like, that's the essence of me. That's the essence of him. And, yes, you want him to be careful, but you can't lose what makes him special. 
No, I don't like the analogy, and I'll tell you why. Because your facial expressions make our show better. Josh Allen's interceptions <laughs> sometimes make his show or his team worse. Yes. And, and Canty is a company. I want to show yeah. a take that Dan Orlovsky did for us on Monday. I just want to show this because on the pick he throws at the end of the overtime game, here's a moment. Watch as he hitches, right? Boom. This hitch before he throws the pick. And again, this is Dan talking. I'm not going to pretend I could analyze this. But this is Dan saying to Josh Allen, there's something inside of him that knows in that moment, I shouldn't throw this. And then he does it anyway, and his team loses the game. I'm not suggesting you coach the greatness out of Josh Allen. But the difference between Josh Allen throwing that pick and not is him being the best ticket in the NFL to go by and watch and be a spectacular player or be one of the greatest players that ever lived, which he clearly has it in him to do. But the greatest players of all time, their teams win championships, and you don't do that by throwing that ball in the end zone. No, he's got to have better situational awareness, and that's been an issue for Josh Allen over the last couple of years because he's 2-8 and eight in one-score games, and in those games, he's got 18 touchdowns to 15 turnovers, and on this season, 9 of his 13 turnovers come when his team is leading. And this guy has five turnovers in the red zone. Greeny, it's hard to win games when your quarterback is doing that. And what we anticipate as we get into the second half, this team is going to play better opponents, more closely contested ball games, especially within the division. And right now, the way that Josh Allen is playing, you can't have any degree of confidence that they're going to be able to climb back up in the standings and win the AFC East, which is a problem. Let me get Fowler in here. What are you hearing from this? This has obviously been a huge topic here and everywhere. Yeah, so I talked to somebody in Buffalo this week that said you don't want to suppress his fearlessness because that makes plays for you and helps you win games. But they want him to value the check down, too. They want him to run. They like it in the games when he runs eight to ten times, assuming he slides. They've been trying to tell him, hey, go down and slide. Don't take those unnecessary hits. Get the easy yards when the big play is not there. But, I mean, look at this stat from Hembo that he gave me. Allen leads the league in interceptions, still ranks third in QBR. So it's like a beautiful mansion with, you know, some overgrown trees and shrubs and a, and a, a yard that you got to mow. Just, just clean up a little bit. Thank you for being just, reasonable. Just, but, but just go out and get a gardener. Well, I mean, just go out and get rid so, of the shrubs, and now you have the this, best house of no, all time. I got a better analogy for you. Mm. It's like you're getting invaded by aliens, and you call Superman. Oh, he boy. runs the aliens off, but then you complain because he crushed a few buildings. <laughs> Relax. This man yes. is incredible. Right. He's incredible. Right. And complaining about these little interceptions every now and then, yes, it's going to cost you a game. Every team, every player has weaknesses. It drives me crazy when I hear it about Lamar Jackson, where everyone to focus on, like, oh, he's not hyper-accurate. All right, he can't be Drew, Drew Brees, but Drew Brees can't run a 60-yard touchdown. <laughs> the same thing is true for Josh Allen. Yes, that double hitch right there is when he's going to turn the ball over. But I've seen many times when I'm going, no, 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 Josh, no, Josh. Oh, damn, that's incredible. Like, accept it. It's fine. No one is going to be perfect. You said this is the difference between him being a great quarterback and the greatest of all time. You're right. If he can eliminate these kind of bonehead decisions, he has the chance to be the greatest of all times. Can you imagine how ridiculous that is to tell somebody, oh, your expectation is to be the greatest of all time? It is not a new phenomenon. Josh Allen has been kind of a, a shaky decision maker since college, his whole time in his career. But he balanced it with making big plays. Matt Stafford led the league in interceptions last year. The Rams won the Super Bowl. Josh Allen is fine. I'm sorry he turns the ball over every now and then, but you're welcome to he hurdles <laughs> defensive backs. All right. We will continue Goodness this gracious. debate as I we go. But guys. I just want everyone, I just, you know how much we love Kimberly Martin. Oh, I mean, yeah. I love her. So it pains me to do this. Uh-oh. But you think she's cold now. Ooh. This is the forecast for her game Sunday <laughs> in Orchard Park. We are talking the possibility of three feet of snow 
in Buffalo. So Kmart, we all know you love to show off the Jays at these games. The question is, do they make snow oh. boots? Because you're going to need some. Oh, no. Oh, no, Greeny. I already tweeted yesterday, game day Jays, they're on hiatus this week. Like, I don't even have Jays on right now. It's it's over. I, I don't even know if I can get to Buffalo this weekend. So just pray that my plane gets there safely. Um, yeah, it's going to be bad. It could be four to six. Who knows? Okay. Who knows, Greeny? That's good. We're gonna we got a half a foot of snow for Kim. We're welcoming Kimberly Martin back to Buffalo, her old stomping grounds. Came out, you are the best. We'll watch your coverage all day long today from Cleveland with Deshaun Watson practicing for the first time. In the meantime, why Eagles? Why did Monday expose Philly's fatal flaw? Are they really still the team to beat in the NFC? We'll talk about it. But first, we'll see how Neek does with this. I happen to love the question today. Who is the only NFC East quarterback? To win league MVP since the merger, which was 1970. We'll answer that question next. Smooth. Get up on ESPN. <laughs> Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We are back. There have been a lot of guesses thrown around this studio. Who is the only NFC East quarterback to win MVP of the league since the NFL merger in 1970? It's a surprisingly tough question for me. <laughs> there weren't that many like great quarterbacks over the years, even though they won a bunch of Super Bowls in that uh, division. I'm going to trust my man Brandon and go with Mark Rippon. It's not right. Oh! It's not right. It, it, it's the right team. Oh, Joe Theismann! Oh, Joe Theismann. <laughs> I heard someone say it. Someone in the room said it. I, 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 who was it? I was the one, actually. Fowler said it. it yeah, me. someone had it right. It was, it was Joe Theismann in 1983. And he was the only one to win the MVP. And then they wound Whoa. up winning three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks, and Joe Whoa. and with Mark Rippon and with Doug Williams. But he's the only Great NFC question. East quarterback. No Starback, no Aikman, no none of those guys. That's a really good question. That's a good job. Uh, Neek is frustrated. Okay, now it is time for another brand-new segment. And we're going to call this Bad Week or Bad Sign. And, Neek, I'm starting with you. Neek. Did the Bills have a bad week, or was this a bad sign of things to come? Oh, yeah, it was just a bad week. That's who, I mean, Josh Allen is going to give you those ups and downs. He gives you much more ups than downs. Even in the course of this game, they still had a chance to win, and Josh Allen still did amazing things. So, it's just a bad week. Jeremy, in Germany, did the Seahawks have a bad week, or was that a bad sign of things to come? 
bad week. This is a team that I believe will contend. I got them winning at least 10 games this year in the NFC and getting one of those top three seeds. Offensive line much improved. Geno Smith proving he can do it. Defense making plays all over. They have a few duds here and there. You saw it early in the season, especially on defense, but they'll be just fine. All right, and then Canty, how about you on the Eagles? They finally lose. Was that a bad week or a bad sign? It's a bad sign, G. The Eagles can't stop the run by success rate. They have the worst run defense in the last 15 years. And seven of the nine last Super Bowl champions, they finished top 10 in rushing defense. The two that didn't had Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady as their quarterbacks. So that's interesting. And we did touch on this a little bit earlier in the show. And to be clear, uh, there is the, the stats are the stats. There yeah. is no debating the stats. What the debate boils down to is whether or not that is a fatal flaw, which is to say, is that the thing that ultimately cost them a championship because they look like the cha- at this point, when you start a season eight, no championship or bust, it yeah. takes care of yeah. itself. Is it a fatal flaw? No, nah, it's, it's absolutely not. I think it's something we saw in this game. They were still very competitive. The reason why they lost this game was the turnovers, not because their inability to stop the run. They've been bad at the run all year and they've been undefeated up until or bad at stopping the run all year. They've been undefeated up until this game. Like these were fluke turnovers. A.J. Brown tipping it to the defender. Uh, Watkins hopping up and fumbling after a, a deep pass and Goddard fumbling after he's getting face masks and then the roughing the passer penalty. Like this was a fluke occurrence. Stopping the run is like it's not 1993. We are not in, in pre-free agency. Stopping the run is nice, but it's not the most important thing to play modern NFL defense. Let, let me quickly mention uh, the adding more bad news. They lost Goddard. Uh, you probably saw this news yesterday. He's got a shoulder injury. They're yeah. outstanding tight end. Uh, they haven't said exactly how long he'll be out, but they expect it to be an extended absence. So we have a difference of agreement here on just how relevant it is that they cannot stop the run. What are you hearing about people from people about Philly? Yes, yeah, so when I talk to people around the league about Philly, they're a little torn. They say, here we go. They say they're the most complete team in the <laughs> NFC, not necessarily the most explosive team. They would put the 49ers in that category, even though they might need to win in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you. But Jalen Hurts, there are still some people that are not completely sold on him yet. They need to see a little more, even though he's improving by the week. They believe he get in a playoff setting like against Tampa last year. When you make him be a pocket passer, it could be an issue at times. I, I'm just going to say what immediately jumps to my mind. And you are the messenger in this. So my yelling is not going to yeah. be directed at you. It's going to be directed at the people who are saying those. But you're the one who does those, those um, all the executives and coaches tell you during the offseason how yeah. great they think the quarterbacks. And they continue not to believe Lamar Jackson. And now these same geniuses who were unable to see what Jalen Hurts might turn into in the NFL are telling you they're still not sold on him. The bottom line of it is well, these are the same people who didn't believe in him when he came into the league, and so they're now not believing what their eyes are seeing. That is what I hear when I hear about Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense not to have confidence in Jalen Hurts. He's the been guys brilliant. for 21 touchdowns to only three turnovers. What, what are we talking about? Yeah. Like, Jalen Hurts has guided his team to the best record in the National Football League, and we're talking about a, a quarterback who's sixth in QBR. Greeny, I think Jalen Hurts has shown you everything you need to see from a guy that you would assume is a franchise quarterback, and right now, based on what he's doing in the National Football League, there aren't a whole bunch of quarterbacks that I'm taking in front of Jalen Hurts if i got to win a game. I mean, if I'm being generous to the people who are saying this, this is confirmation bias. It's It, it could be some other sort of bias, but we're going to chalk it up to confirmation bias. Can you imagine how we'd be reacting to Jalen Hurts right now if he was a first-round pick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he was a first-round pick putting up these numbers, we'd be talking about him taking over their league at some point. We'd be talking about him on a Patrick Mahomes trajectory. But a lot of people cannot release the fact and I was one of those people too. I've had a hard time looking at Jalen Hurts and accepting that he is an upper echelon, top of the league quarterback. But I can't lie to myself anymore. I was wrong. My pre-draft analysis about Jalen Hurts
Hurts was dead ass wrong because I'm watching him. I, I, should, make, I should make a distinction. Week in and week out. Yeah, it's not that these people are saying that he hasn't improved greatly and become a better quarterback every year because he has. Their question is when things tighten up, and it's the same question that Lamar Jackson gets. December, January, when things tighten up, you got to win from the pocket. Can you do it? But that, things tightened up on question. Monday Night Football, and you saw him deliver a strike to Quez Watkins. It ain't his fault that <laughs> yeah. Quez Watkins fumbled yeah. the ball, yeah. but at that point, you're talking about them being down by five, and he drove him into the red zone. I mean, it's a completely different yeah. game. If he holds on to that, they probably score in that spot. So when we ask the question, can Jalen Hurts win from the pocket when his team is down, I think he's answered that already. So here's the question I asked this group in our pre-show meeting today. And, and, and I always like to try and frame it this way. You know, you're, if you had to bet your palatial estate, your palatial estate and your palatial estate out there in D.C. and everything else and well, all the rest, right now, on the team that you are is going to win the NFC, the team that will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, who would it be? Do we have the picks to put up there? Because we got a nice distribution. So this side of the okay. table, you right. like the Eagles. You've been on them since before the season began. Yeah, they were my picks since before the season started to make it to at least the Final Four. I love the way that the Eagles are playing. They're flexible defensively, and I think the most important thing is they don't give up big plays. So, Canty, despite the fact that you're concerned about the run defense, you still like them. Yeah, I think there is opportunity for the run defense to improve once they get Jordan Davis back and get some things cleaned up in terms of their overall fit. But, gee, here's the thing. Offenses are going to check their oil in terms of being able to stop the run from here on out. And they play teams in the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, twice. Those teams love to run the football, so and we'll have to like, see. You like the Niners. Yes, I don't have a palatial state. I'm going to bet your palatial state yeah. it's going to be the Niners. One of the best defenses in the league, and they just got a ton of firepower on offense. I'm going to bet on that. And I picked the Cowboys because uh, I don't believe we should ever do an hour in which we don't mention <laughs> the Cowboys. <laughs> so I, I just wanted their name up. mentioned and the star on the screen. Okay, much more NFL as we go. Uh. But to college football next and the updated playoff rankings from last night in the top five remain the same. We got Georgia. We got Ohio. State. We got Michigan, TCU, and Tennessee. LSU moves up to number six. USC is now number seven. Alabama is at eight, but with basically, as we have discussed at great length, almost no chance of working their way back into playoff position. Paul Feinbaum is with us this morning here as we continue, and Heather Dinich has been in our studio all day long. So, let's start with the uh, the two team scenarios. We talked earlier this morning about all the different possibilities of how things could play out in the SEC. It's a little simpler in the Big Ten where we understand there are really two teams that rise above all the others. Which conference is likelier to send multiple teams to the playoff? Definitely the SEC because you have Tennessee sitting there on the bubble. They've got a great chance to get in this thing, even without winning their division. Um, but you've also got LSU and Georgia still in the mix. In the Big Ten, Michigan's strength of schedule is literally the worst of any of the top contenders right now. I want to say it's 86 in strength of schedule. And that has been an issue in the committee meeting room. Ohio State has a slight edge over Michigan. Boo Corrigan, the committee chair, talked about this. This week, this difference is they played Notre Dame. Right. They won. Notre Dame's a ranked team. So, so oh, you're, what you're telling me is, if Michigan beats Ohio State, then the Buckeyes have a chance, albeit a slim one. Yes. If Ohio State beats Michigan, then the Wolverines have none. I don't think they do. They would. The Big Ten as a conference would need ultimate chaos to happen in order to have. It. And so, Paul, how would you assess the likelihood here that uh, that the SEC does get those two teams? In? I think we all understand where the Big Ten sits. How likely is it the SEC gets multiple teams in? 
I think it's pretty good if a couple of things happen because they have so many different combinations. Greeny, they have the LSU combination beating Georgia. Georgia, Georgia would be automatic uh, undefeated and with the resume. Tennessee has a case as well because of that win, 27-point win at LSU, which is high in the rankings and, of course, the win over Alabama. They lost to Georgia. That's the one thing that we will be held against them. All right, and we start looking ahead to this coming weekend. Not all the sexiest matchups that we sometimes look for, but it's never too early to pick out a team that might be on upset alert. What team are you watching, Heather, that people may not expect that could be in a little bit of jeopardy? Michigan. There's so much focus on their running game, and deservedly so. Blake Corum, we should be talking about him for the Heisman. Their offensive line is one of the best in the country. But Illinois has the number one pass defense in the country, the number three rushing defense. With all of this attention on Blake Corum, I want to see what J.J. McCarthy can do in the passing game because nobody's really been paying attention to the fact that he's been a little bit inaccurate. So, are they looking ahead to the Buckeyes? They might be. This is a tricky game. I think they match up well. Illinois could wind up in that Big Ten championship game. How about you, Paul? Who, who could you see getting tripped up this weekend unexpectedly? Missed last week. I'm doubling down on TCU, Greeny. They, they, they're on a, a tough road stretch. They, they, they won at Austin last week. That was a big win. But now they go to Baylor. Baylor is a flawed team, but they're very dangerous at home. And I don't know how to break this to my friends in Fort Worth, but I'm just not that impressed with TCU. They don't match up very well uh, on a neutral site uh, against anyone in the top 10. Uh, and this is not a neutral site. Uh, this is a road game at Baylor, a flawed team, but I don't think TCU gets out of there alive. All right, they very clearly need to win out in order to have a chance. And then you were telling me this morning, Heather, we'll wrap it up with this. What are the two words every college football fan has to make sure they are aware of the rest of this season? Style points, Greeny. The selection committee is never going to use that phrase. They will not tell coaches to run up the score, but they want to see no doubt that you are the better team on that field. And why does it matter? Because, well, if Michigan doesn't beat Ohio State, then they go back and they look, well, they just kind of beat Illinois. Ohio State at Maryland, they already had a rough one against Northwestern. Mm -hmm. You know that. So all of these games, how you play matters. But you don't have to do what Tennessee did last week, guys. You don't have to win by 66 points or whatever it was. Just beat the team. All right, we will see. Heather, Paul, thank you both. In the meantime, I just got some news uh, that is sort of uh, tangentially related to college football, of course. It's an unimaginable tragedy from Charlottesville. The University of Virginia just announced that it has canceled its game on Saturday, which was scheduled to be played against Coastal Carolina. This, of course, in the wake of the deadly shooting that killed three players and wounded two other people. Christopher Darnell Jones Jr. allegedly opened fire on a bus shortly after it returned from a field trip to Washington, D.C. on Sunday night. A witness says that while pointing the gun, Jones said, quote, you guys are always messing with me, end quote. Junior receivers Lavelle Davis Jr. and Devin Chandler and junior linebacker Deshaun Perry were all killed. At a news conference yesterday, the coach, Tony Elliott, says this has been extraordinarily difficult for his team. The first meeting was really, really tough. You know, really, really, really tough. Feels like it's a nightmare, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm ready for somebody to pinch me and, and wake me up and, uh, and say that this didn't happen. It's difficult to watch. One of the survivors is running back Mike Hollins. He is in stable condition after doctors removed a bullet from his stomach. The other survivor is a female student. She's said to be in good condition. We'll be right back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back, and we are <laughs> we are starting something new today. I hadn't seen that graphic before. They're called Foxy's Five, and they are the five things that have Dominique Foxworth fired up. That's a pretty good little graphic I like there. I can do the move. I like it. I like it. Okay, what are the five things that have you fired up? So let's be honest about the MVP award. I hate that it's become best quarterback in a league award because it didn't used to be that way. We used to get uh, running backs. You could argue, make arguments for other people. If you wanted to be the best quarterback award, call it the best quarterback award. And you brought this to my attention a couple weeks ago. Saquon Barkley, yeah. what they are doing, what he is doing. He's a leading receiver and the leading rusher on a team that is overachieving. He should be considered in that. Tyreek Hill, you saw the clip of Tyreek Hill out there playing well. What he is doing in Tua, either one of those guys – Matter, but two as a quarterback, so throw them out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Micah Parsons, what he's doing for that defense, all that matters. Like, it makes it more interesting, makes it more fun. Get out of here, stat nerd. Talk about nobody can be more effective than a quarterback. That's boring. I like football. I like running backs. Saquon MVP. Me too. Hembo needs to sit down. Next. <laughs> the, no- the next one, Justin Herbert. It's, he's such a talented player, such a good football player. I don't know who, know who I'm mad at, but I'm mad that Justin Herbert has been absent this season. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen him. One of the best talents in all of football. His capability is up there with Mahomes and up there with Allen. But it seems like in part because of his injury, in part also because of roster construction, because he doesn't have the type of weapons that I think would accentuate his skill. We've had just about a whole season go by where Justin Herbert has been like non-existent. I agree with that. They- played on Sunday Night Football this week, but uh, to to your point, he has not gotten the kind of conversation we thought he would. Number three, I hate how much much joy people are taking and hating on Russell Wilson. Like, it's just frustrating. It's disappointing. The man has had a great career. He hasn't done anything too wrong, and everyone's just treating him so badly. But there's a second part to this. Okay. I hate that he stinks now, too. I hate that he deserves everyone picking on him and making fun of it. I don't know what happened to him. I loved him as a player. He's fun to watch. All the -the off-the-field stuff, yeah, like I can't explain it. But the fact that he stinks now is really what I'm upset at. And I'm upset that people are taking joy and taking shots at him all the time. All right. Number two, the NFC South. I hate that you guys suck because it's not just because the cell sucks. It's because I said again for the 100th time that Tom Brady is not going to win another Super Bowl. And you damn NFC South football teams are middling around. You're going to allow Tom Brady to sneak back into the playoffs and win another Super Bowl. It's not fair. Get it together, Saints. Uh, that's the only team. I, I mean, the Falcons, Falcons? You, know, you don't have a No, the Falcons don't have a chance. Panthers, yeah. Carolina? Mm-mm, no, they're not good enough. Get it together. Saints, do something. Be all right. Play football. And the last one, 
It's a new one, but it jumped to the top of my list because there's lots of maniacs around here complaining about Josh Allen. You want this man to be perfect. I told you analogy earlier. It's like being mad at Superman for killing the aliens that invade our country, our, our, um, our planet, and being mad at him for breaking a couple buildings. Yes, he's not going to be perfect, but he's incredible. I was someone who did not believe in him early in his career, but I've watched him. And he's awesome. And sometimes his awesomeness reveres on his side. Right, I want to talk about I loved all four of their first four. Yeah. And then you lose me on the fifth one. Who's coming in here to fight with me? You're suggesting that if, if Superman knocked down a couple of buildings, that it would be worth it to save the planet. Well, but what if those buildings are like the Eiffel Tower and the white, incredibly important That's, buildings? The, the point is, he's throwing games away, Dominique. They're losing games so because of these mistakes he's making. The games that they are winning are because he is behaving in the same way. Right. You have to take the good with the bad. The pursuit of perfection is kind of outrageous in the hope that he can also create the big plays that nullify any other mistakes that they make on their team and hope that he can never make the bad ones. You're going to get some of the bad ones because those risky decisions, you can't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket, Greeny. What, what do you think, Canty? Help me with this. I, I, I cannot accept that a person of your extraordinary intelligence, Dominique sees this so differently than the way I do. Yeah, Greeny, I struggle with this one. On the one hand, Nick said turnovers matter with the Eagles lost to the Commanders. Right. But in this situation, Josh Allen's turnovers don't seem to matter. Last two years, Josh Allen is 2-8 and eight in one-score games. 18 touchdowns to 15 turnovers, Greeny. It's hard to win when your quarterback is doing that. Josh Allen this year, 9 of his 13 turnovers happened when his team was leading. Sometimes you don't have to force plays. Sometimes a good play yeah. is being able to protect the you football know why and it protect was the opportunity to punt. You, All I'm simply saying is this. Against better competition, this is going to continue to be a problem. You know why I was leading? Because, because he put them in front. Uh, yes, of because, course. No because one's arguing taking, but that. I, I, the point is, I don't believe that it's realistic to expect him to be perfect. If you watch the way that he plays, the things that the risk that he takes, they pay off more times than they cost him. The problem is, at a couple weeks in a row, they've really cost him. I'm sorry, you take the good with the bad. That's all. Nick, he's on pace for 24 turnovers this season. <laughs> They're dead last in I giveaways. Mean, that, that, How are you yeah. going to win a championship doing that? Go ahead, fella. That, 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 is, a, that is a nasty number, but like, all the guys that throw a lot of picks that are really good, they have huge arms. Even right. Mahomes, we see it. Aaron Rodgers is really the only one, the outlier, that doesn't throw a lot of picks. I'm okay with some of that. For me, though, hey, what do you say? Run the ball, right? Run the ball. They need a little bit of help. They can't run Even, the ball. They're not designed to do it, so yeah. it's a problem. But, like, I talked to some teams that thought, hey, maybe like a Kareem Hunt or somebody, a three-down player they could have traded for the last month. They don't, get, they don't get any, any push. Kareem Hunt ain't going to fix the fact that they yeah. don't get any push. The problem for the, the tough thing that I have with all of this is we watch those plays where he does incredible things, and we revere him and we celebrate him. The idea that you can be, like, you can be seven feet and then complain because your shoes are too big, like, that's what it feels like. You cannot get both. <laughs> things. Like, you want to be a tall person? All right, you're going to have to go look, shop a little that harder. Cost, that cost Kevin Durant a playoff series, by the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Look, look, this is an argument that can continue. No one is diminishing the greatness of Josh Allen, but what I'm saying is we, we used the term fatal flaw earlier. Uh -huh. Throwing interceptions in the end zone in overtime games is a fatal flaw. Meantime, those are the five things that are making Foxy upset. But Heather did
Spinach has got something to say. She saw your list and she's got something that's yeah. upsetting her. Heather, what is it? Listen, Kmart's not here, so it's up to me to set you guys straight. Okay. Oh, I love okay. It. okay. Now, listen, I am so tired of you guys knocking the Eagles after one loss. One loss. I sit down here and represent Pennsylvania. Listen, okay. number one in offense and defense. Only team to beat Minnesota did it by 17 points. Leads the NFL in explosive play differential. Oh. And, oh, by the way, Jalen Hurts won 14 of his last 17 starts. So don't tell me he can't Speaking my language. I'm oh, with yeah. you. We're on the same side. Yeah, that's her. That's Kenty you're yelling at. No, I, listen, I'm concerned about their run defense, but I still pick the Eagles to win the NFC. Uh, well, okay. it's you, Fowlers. You don't and your 49ers. Down. Don't knock them down. You guys have been They're knocking them down. the second best team in the NFC. <laughs> second best? Second and in best. Fairness, we all know. I only picked the Cowboys because I love <laughs> As we continue, all right, we got the star-studded Wednesday doubleheader coming your way tonight. We will see the stars tonight. Trey Young, Jason Tatum. Then we got Steph Curry taking on Devin Booker. Good games tonight, and the coverage tips off with NBA Countdown 7 Eastern. You can also watch all the action on the ESPN app. Meanwhile, first take follows us here as always. Is Dak the quarterback under the most pressure to win the Super Bowl? And have Aaron Rodgers and the Packers turned the corner? They'll answer that and more. First take, top of the hour here on ESPN. We thought we'd leave you today with our favorite play from sports yesterday. Guys, John Morant, oh, come on. Nick. Explosiveness, athleticism, and he just like hovers, switch, and still dunk. Like it's, I said it was Jordan-esque earlier, but Jordan switched to the layup. He switched midair and banged it. Ugh. What do you think C.J. McCollum was thinking when he rotated over <laughs> and he saw John Moran go? Oh, probably not going to get there, dog. Probably not going to work for, out for me. For like one hour of my life, I'd pay good money just to be able to do something one like minute. that. One minute. In the air. Have fun. We'll see you tomorrow. First take now. <laughs>